In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. We've got a ton of stuff coming up for you on today's episode. We're going to talk about the Andrew Harris injury and what the Toronto Argonauts offense is going to look like without him. We're going to talk about why McLeod Bethel-Thompson might be the third best quarterback in the CFL. We're going to talk about some of the holes that the Argos might have to fill as the injury news keeps getting worse and worse. Then we'll preview the Calgary game for you. Plus, go through all the injury reports. We've got OCDC, one thing, predictions, fantasy advice, and of course, our CFL picks. All that and more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Let's get right into it, JB. Andrew Harris, pec injury, out four to six weeks, potentially more. I'm leaning towards the more, just looking at this historically, aren't you? Yeah, usually a pec injury is a season ender. Um, So I I don't know if there are varying degrees to how much it's torn, if it's torn, you know, right off the bone or what have you. Um, But yeah, usually a pec injury of that type is is a season ender. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, it's, it's, it's six weeks and he can come back fresh, um, for, uh, for a, a, a November game, you know, I guess that's sort of best case scenario. Yeah. It's, and it's so rare for this to happen to a running back. It really isn't a running back injury. It's linebackers, it's offensive linemen. It's the kind of thing you, you injure making a tackle. You've got your arm fully extended. That's why it's such a common linebacker injury, linebacker extended arm, trying to hold, hold back a running back and that pec tears uh, or offensive lineman. It's essentially the same thing, but I don't recall ever seeing this injury occur to a running back. So we don't really know how to deal with this because normally it would be shut them down for the year. You've got surgery, you've got recovery next season. They're back at it, but maybe it is a bit different with a running back. Neither of us have a medical degree or anything to go on with this, but four to six to me still feels optimistic, but yeah, I I hope, I hope he is able to come back uh, for his sake and the team's sake. Yeah. I mean, my first instinct was that his usage was not sustainable uh, this is not really a usage injury, so we could probably give them a bit of a pass uh, on that. Although I do still feel like they were using Harris at a rate that was uh, not commensurate with his age. But, uh, you know, we're going to see what they have. I mean, it looks uh, it looks thin behind him, to, to be honest. So I'm... Uh, you know, maybe Leak can come back and do a kind of, you know, discount thunder and lightning thing with Ouellette. Um, You know, I, I mean, I, I can't sugarcoat it. I think it's uh, I think it's a big loss, although like not statistically. So it will be fascinating. My gut instinct is it's a big loss. But statistically, <laughs> you know, it's not really much of a loss at all. Uh, but I think from like an attitude, um, from a, a like kind of offense having a having a kind of edge to them, he he was a team leader. But it will be it will be fascinating to see if the offense um, enjoys shifting to uh, this sort of air raid, full <laughs> full wide receiver attack. 
And let's talk a bit about what this offense might look like with Andrew Harris, because I think like you're saying, the, the stats since the game against Ottawa, the Argos have had a lot of trouble rushing. They just haven't been able to run the ball with any consistency. The average yards per carry has been way down because teams have decided that they can stack the box and Toronto has trouble putting up points when they do that. And now part of the problem, I think, is that I believe Coach Dinwiddie has run the ball a little bit too often when teams are stacking the box. And I, I get keeping them honest. I think that is an important part of it. You can't just abandon the run entirely. But I, I think because of the fact that it's Andrew Harris and because of the early success he had in those first few games of the season, I think there was a real instinct to to go back to it. And I've found over the last few weeks, and especially doing sort of like a statistical deep dive today, going back through every Argos possession this season, what I started to track was it's it's first down run plays that have really been stunting drives, not anything else. And it's been these last few weeks since that Ottawa game where you get a, a two-yard run, a three-yard run on first down, and often they are able to convert one of those first downs, maybe even two. But when you've got a quarterback who is playing well, and we'll get to that, he's still completing about eight yards per attempt, which is third best in, in the CFL. But at eight yards per attempt and at 68, 69% completion rate, which is what McLeod Bethel Thompson is, again, that's third best in the CFL. But when you combine those numbers with having to convert second and seven, second and and eights, it basically means that on average, you're only going to be able to convert two out of every three of those. And that's going to leave you with a lot of punting situations. If Coach Dinwiddie gets away from running the ball on first down, and pounding it into a loaded box for two yards, maybe this changes. But now maybe teams don't stack the box anymore. Maybe now you should run on first down. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how Calgary defends Toronto this week. If they keep doing this Ottawa model, which we've seen Hamilton exercise the last two weeks, or if they try something new. A pass-heavy, pass-first offense probably makes sense. It's what they do well. They don't run very well. You should probably abandon what you don't do well and find a way to do what you do well more. So that'll take some work. But, I, you know, I think from a philosophical, ideological point of view, I agree. Hey, if you can't run the ball, stop running the ball. Let's just go. Let's just pass the ball. You know, let's pass to run if you need it. But let's open it up. Let's throw the ball 45 times a game and, and see what we've got. It's going to be interesting to see what the backfield looks like. You've got three running backs. I think Javon Leak is just about ready to go. He's just about ready to to return to active duty. It's unlikely at this point that we'll see Adebayo start. I wouldn't think because I don't think they're going to want to make that position Canadian, and they don't really need to. Remember, Toronto started ten Canadians a couple of weeks ago, so that's not really the issue. I would imagine that they don't designate that spot as Canadian at all and probably have Willette start. I think the indication that we got based on his usage last game when when we saw Harris go down is that he is sort of going to be the primary ball carrier. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Javon Leak put in the mix as well. I, I expect to see all three of those guys dressed for this week. Adebayo is hugely valuable in terms of special teams as an uh, as an up back, uh, also getting downfield and, and making tackles. Like he's... 
Adebayo has to be out there, but I don't know if they're comfortable yet with him being in a starting role. I, I want to see a little bit more pass protection from him before we're at that stage. Wallet is certainly more proven in that area, so I think he gets the start. And Javon Leak has got that explosiveness that none of the other backs have. And you talk about that thunder lightning thing a little bit earlier. It'd be interesting to see him involved in that package. The way that we saw White and Foster used last year, maybe this is a little bit more of a comfort zone for Coach Dinwiddie. Maybe in some ways, not that an injury, look, an injury to Andrew Harris doesn't make your team better. There's there's, there's no way that makes any sense. He's, he's one of the best, if not the best running back in the CFL. But maybe it makes the play calling a little bit easier for Coach Dinwiddie because he's able to go back to something he's more used to, where he didn't have last year a running back that you could base your entire game plan around in White or in Foster. And that was essentially what, he, you know, not that he didn't have some good running backs in Calgary, he did, but their system wasn't based on being able to just absolutely pound the football. It was quarterback based. And so maybe we see him get back to something that's way more within his comfort zone. Well, it's certainly not going to reduce the number of rushing touchdowns the Argos have. <laughs> I don't, I, it, it can't really reduce it more. Like Andrew Harris does not still to this point have a single rushing touchdown this season. Really? I mean, he only came close once. There were he had a couple of carries. He came close in in the the play that he was injured on in Hamilton was pretty close, and he did come close down in Saskatchewan on the third down that was fumbled. He didn't really get close enough in the BC carry he had from the one. He ended up getting stuffed for a two yard loss on that one or yard and a half loss, I think. So I, I don't know. I I just think at some point the Argos are going to get a rushing touchdown and it's probably not going to be Andrew Harris to be the first one to do it. Maybe it does come this week with AJ Wallet, with Javon Leak, with Adebaboye. Maybe one of these guys is able to put together a rushing touchdown because teams aren't really defending it the same way. It's funny how that works. Like football is such a, a weird game. It's about battle plans. It's about preparation and strategy. And maybe Calgary comes into this game deciding like you know let's let's let them run fine let AJ Wallet beat us let's just absolutely shut down the pass and force the Argos to try and win with their backup running backs maybe like that that actually sounds like the kind of game plan you would come up with defensively and i think there's some logic to that yeah if you have the personnel or i mean i mean you you know you can play 7 DBs but if four of them are donkeys then you know that's not going to be enough yeah, and we'll talk about some of the DB issues that Calgary has. Like, it, it for sure, I think, to jump ahead, I think it's, you know, it's going to be a challenge for the offense to, you know, to, to look in, out and see a lot of defensive backs on the field. I think you're going to see seven DB uh, setups for sure, uh, which will be, you know, um, an increased challenge for the offense to to try and find spots in it because you're going to get light boxes no chance you're going to get a heavy box so those guys are going to you know those guys are going to become dbs so yeah it'll you know if they can adapt to that you know i think that if you can find a different way to play and still get harris back for the playoffs then that's that's best case scenario so we'll see we'll see how calgary goes and what a perfect transition into talking about a tweet that I sent out earlier today that made a lot of people really happy and a lot of people really angry. So you know right away as an Argos fan, I either tweeted about Coach Dinwiddie or McLeod Bethel-Thompson. It was the latter. 
I did a little bit of stats diving, like I said earlier. I went through every possession. I went through uh, numbers. I went through efficiency numbers. And what I found really backed up what I had felt about McLeod Bethel-Thompson this season. I I felt like he's having a a really good year, certainly the best year of of his career, but not just that. He's having one of the best years in the CFL this year for a quarterback. Now, he's miles behind Nathan Rourke, who is way out in front of everybody, and he's well behind Zach Caleras, who is also way ahead of everybody not named Nathan Rourke. But there is really no debating statistically that McLeod Bethel-Thompson is third. I want to list some of these stats that that I found here. And, and some of them are, are very basic, some that we knew, but some that I was sort of surprised by. McLeod Bethel-Thompson is in the top three in all of these following categories. categories. Completion percentage, passing yards, yards per attempt, touchdowns, QB efficiency and interception rating. Obviously, that's lowest interception rating. To be top three in all of those things is a really impressive thing. And that puts him ahead of some big names. Like, obviously, it puts him ahead of Cody Fajardo and Bo Levi Mitchell and everybody else, not him, Caleros O'Rourke. Those are huge numbers. And when I tweeted that out, a lot of the response I got back was, yeah, that's fine, but it's all, you know, it's all midfield stuff. It's not, it's not red zone numbers. And in fact, I found that not to be true because when I did my red zone deep dive, I found that actually inside the 25, his numbers are fantastic. His efficiency numbers are actually even better than his, his regular field numbers. Inside the 25, he's 19 for 28, which is 68% completion, six touchdowns, no interceptions. And inside the 20, it's even better. So those aren't the issues. Now, yet that said, it does feel like the Argos offense stalls a lot inside the 20, and that's not wrong, but it's not because of McLeod Bethel-Thompson's passing. It's going back to what we said before with the running game. It's the runs that have let the Argos down when they've been close to the end zone and they just have not been able to run the football at all. And I think for some reason, people then go back to equate that red zone inefficiency to being a McLeod Bethel-Thompson thing. But really, it's it's an offensive line blocking issue, run blocking issue, not a McLeod Bethel-Thompson thing. JB, are you with me in that this season, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is the third best quarterback in the CFL? <laughs> yeah, my, I'm, I think my report cards speak for themselves. Uh, I'm, I'm not one to, to hand out high grades for, for nothing. I think he has been a very efficient quarterback. He is not electric. He doesn't roll out and throw the ball 50 yards down the field in a Hail Mary, you know, last second touchdown way. Um, He's not fast. He's not going to run for first downs. I understand why people look at other quarterbacks and want something flashier, more kind of crowd exciting. You know, he's going to come in and he's going to stay on schedule and he's going to throw some good passes and he's been very efficient and has not been the reason that they've lost any games. I, I think that he he I think third is exactly where I put him. I think he has been um, you know uh, very good on eliminating the turnovers that he had last year. Um, you know people remember that and they kind of conflate it all together. You kind of looking at his whole time as an Argo. But I'm just looking at this season, and this season he has been a very efficient quarterback. 
uh, for the Argos, you know, really dealing with an offensive line that can't run block and like a rotating group of like 22 wide receivers. So I, you know, I give him credit for, for being able to, to stay in and be the most consistent Argo uh, that we have. I mean, you know, McManus and MBT really that's him, you know, Bladeck, I guess really what you're looking at those, those three guys, Mwamba, I suppose four, four guys. So, yeah, I, I, I think people who – I understand why people want something flashier, but uh, to to demand that this season just means you're, you're not – I don't know. You're just not watching the games. He's, he is a very efficient quarterback. It'll be interesting to see how the added pressure of not having Andrew Harris in the backfield will impact him. It may not be a negative. It may be a positive. Maybe – this is something yeah, it, that will help him. It'll be, yeah, I, I agree. I think the the concerns are, <laughs> uh, the concerns are, look, if teams think pass are coming, then that's going to be pin back, meet you at the quarterback. Uh, is the offensive line ready for that? We're, we're going to find out. And I'm kind of curious to see again. It's it, I'm really excited about this week's game because you know Calgary, they're they're no dummies. There they have they have really good game plans week to week, and I, I'm so curious to see what they do because again, I, I think McLeod Bethel Thompson is has been better against zone than he has against man coverage, and a lot of that is because receivers haven't been able to get any separation, so he's really not throwing to to open guys, whereas when guys are able to sit in zones and find voids, McLeod has been able to pick that apart. He has been able to find that. And so you'd think now with teams paying less attention to the run, you're going to see more zone coverage, but maybe that's not a maybe that's not a smart thing defensively to do to the Argos. Do we end up seeing like two man? Do we end up seeing, um, you know, just more cover one with with more intriguing blitzes to try and take advantage of of the trouble and and the inconsistency that the Argos have had on the offensive line? I, I don't know, but I'm not convinced that this will be bad for McLeod Bethel Thompson. But I'm also not sure it'll be good for him either. So that's that's why I'm excited about this game. I think it's going to be a pretty good one. Let's talk about holes to fill. At this point in the season, with the injury list looking like it's this, and just like at practice today, watching practice today, there's so many guys that were down in really key spots. I started to wonder if it is time to, to pick somebody up. Uh, I know teams have been releasing some big names, and I, I started to go through it. I'm like, is it worth maybe maybe taking a flyer on this guy, bringing in a, a guy at this position? I, I don't know if the I don't know if the cap numbers would allow it to begin with, but we can't really know that. So we just have to kind of continue on and assume that that is possible. But when you go through each positional group, it, it's really DB and O-line that I'm left concerned with. Like the quarterback room, I'm happy with. Those three guys I think are great. The running back room, I know without Harris, like, do they need to pick up another running back? Are you fine with Willette, Leak, and Adebaboye? Is there, is that somewhere you would look to to add another body? Yeah, they 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 need a running back. I think they need a professional running back, uh, even if he's not great, because you're not you're not going to find great out there. But I do think you need somebody who can come in and carry the ball. 10 to 12 times can give you some, uh, 
you know can 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 block up in in passing somebody you could bring in to max protect uh yeah i'd, I'd love to see them try and find a, a veteran guy but where i don't know because like you look around and the running back world of the cfl is um uh, you know a, a desert of um nothing you know, I mean, nobody, nobody has running backs. I mean, it's just, it's just one rando after another out there right now. Yeah, the the running back rooms are so banged up. You've got Kadeem Carey, who may come back this week, maybe, but he's got a hamstring injury. Who knows? James Butler has been out. Obviously, Harris is out. Stanback's out. Wilder's been out since the beginning of the year, and and even half of their backups have been out. Like Walter Fletcher's injured now in Montreal. Like they're they're onto their third or fourth running back and in Edmonton and it's not like the some of the guys that teams are bringing in you know I, I they're they're not better than than the guys we've got so I, I don't know I'm actually more concerned about fullback with Declan Cross being out it really just leaves Carbone in in the fullback room and uh he he hasn't shown a lot yet uh I'm still I still want to see him more I wouldn't mind seeing him in this full game we're going to in the Calgary game I'm not even sure how much he's he's going to be used honestly um or if they might just default to to whenever there's two back sets maybe they go with two running backs I, I don't know I'm not sure what they're what they're going to do with that but I would lean towards because I just don't think you're going to find a running back out there like, you know, the running back of our dreams, I don't think is there because I think one of the other teams at this point would have brought that guy in and they haven't. So I'm thinking more fullback. Um, now, what about the receiver room? That, and that's not like it's it's banged up, as we know. Uh, Tommy Neald uh, added to the list of, of guys that that aren't able to go. And Juwan Breskison should be close to coming back. But I think we're going to see uh, DeMonte Coxey mixed in uh, now that, You've got so many guys that that aren't able to go, that aren't healthy. I'm not even sure, you know, how great the starters are feeling. Like I don't know what what kind of condition Banks and Devaris and and Ambles are in because they've been they've been taking a beating. So is that an area you want to bring someone in, or do you feel like reinforcements are close enough to coming back that it's going to be okay? Do you want to wait and see what guys like Coxy put together? Because we're going to be without Phillips now for a few weeks with that groin injury. Eric Rogers, I, I think you know we're probably waiting several more games. Do they bring someone in? Yeah, I'm always up for bringing people in. You know, guys are getting cut from the NFL. Um, you know that maybe that increases a little bit. Um, your talent pool of guys who are looking to uh, continue to play football. Of course, you know, if you, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in churning the bottom three of the roster and uh, looking for, uh, you know, looking for lightning in a bottle. My hope is that if they're not able to address a lot of these guys, let's say Tommy Neal's not ready to go. Let's say they don't feel 100% with Jawan Breskison coming back in yet, especially after what they saw happen with Eric Rogers, even though that was admittedly a different injury. I want to see them take a chance and dress Jeremiah Hadel and try him out kick returning. I want to see both he and Leek back there just to see. I know it's been the blocking. I know that has been the core issue. We've talked about this to death. It's not that they didn't have guys that could return like Chandler Worthy. It's has it's been the blocking, but I I want to see those guys and maybe sometimes it just takes a guy that people have confidence in, and Haydel's a guy that has a history of being an electric returner and Leak as well. Before Leak got injured, he was by far 
the most exciting return man that that the Argonauts had this year. So I'm hoping that if they're not able to dress a full complement of skill position players this week, that at least it leads to seeing a returner out there. Because it, it, it bothered me last week that we didn't see anyone out there. They were stuck basically putting Gittins Jr. back there, who again is fine, but I don't want to see him return the football. I'm not sure he's as good at it as these guys either. So that's the one thing that maybe this... Um, Maybe this uh, closing a door opens this new window uh, for them able to uh, for them to try out a- another returner. So hopeful of that this week, if nothing else. And in terms of other positional groups, DB, I'm just not sure you're going to find a lot of guys out there. But I am a little worried. It's getting so thin at halfback. We talked about we talked about this last game after last game with Priester going down and then and then Carnell going down and Shaq already out. And I, I know like today at practice, uh, Haggerty, who's been really reliable, wasn't at practice today. Uh, not injury related, though. And we'll get into that in the injury report. But if they are going to bring in a, a defensive back, I would look very carefully at, at who's available that can jump in with some experience at halfback. Looking through the list of names available, there are not a ton of guys I would take a chance on. But I think that's at least worth looking at. And then offensive line, I still want to bring in a tackle. I'm just not comfortable if one of these guys goes down, I'm not feeling good about it. And I, and I don't think Dijon Allen is at 100% health. And Philip Blake has been pretty good at tackle, considering he's not a tackle. But I think it's compromising things elsewhere. And I think if you get another injury to a tackle, I think there's there's trouble. So um, now, Natai Rogers was cut by Saskatchewan today. He's probably not a guy that I would bring in just because I know he's been tied to penalty problems, some some discipline issues, and that's probably not a guy that the Argos want to add to the mix right now. They're they're right on the line as it is. I think you've got to be really sure before you're going to add somebody uh, like Rogers that it's not going to blow up in your face and actually make things worse. So I'm not sure. And he hasn't honestly he hasn't been playing that well this season either. So probably no. But, I, man, I want them to keep looking around, keep bringing guys in. Like you were talking about, you know, churning over the bottom of the roster. Let's bring in some tackles. They really haven't done that. We, they did that so much last year. We saw so many tackles, American tackles brought in, and we haven't seen that this year. And I think I'm just about ready for them to bring in someone to take a look at. JB, let's get into the Calgary game. This this game is is potentially huge for both Calgary and Toronto. A loss here for Either team uh, is a serious setback. For Toronto, it puts you right back into the mix of uh, everyone else. Uh, The place that you didn't want to be, the place they had earned uh, their way out of by starting out hot. But, uh, you know, losing to Calgary at four and five, suddenly you're right back with the pack with everyone else. Hamilton, Montreal, one of them is going to be four. uh, One of them is going to be four and six, I guess, uh, after this week. Not a position we want to be in, but Calgary's almost in a more dire position. If they lose this week, they may drop into fourth place uh, in the West Division. And like you think about how good this Calgary team has looked at times and how exciting their games against Winnipeg and BC have been, they they can't afford to find themselves in fourth place. So everything on the line this week and both teams could not be more banged up either. And then you add to the fact that this is a rivalry game because there are so many former Calgary players and coaches. This means something more to the Argonauts, doesn't it? 
Well, they, I mean, the Argos need it. You can't be tossing away home, home games. You have to win your home games in this league. And 10 wins probably wins the East and gets you in the playoffs. So if you can get the five, you know, I think you're, you're ahead of the, you're ahead of the curve and you're in great shape. If you're stuck at four, things get uphill in a hurry. I mean, it, it doesn't feel like one game should matter that much, but like, it really does. Like getting this win, I think keeps them well on the path to clinching first. And losing this game definitely puts making the playoffs in jeopardy. And you know, this game means something a little bit more to the Argos coaching staff. Maybe not every single member, but a lot of members have Calgary experience. Like obviously, Coach Dinwiddie, but it goes deeper than that. You got Coach Mace, who's trying to prove something against his his old club. Obviously, Coach Bell, and there's there's just so many Calgary ties throughout this coaching staff, throughout this lineup. I, I think to me, that's that's more of a motivating factor for Toronto than it is for Calgary. Uh, wanting to get back at guys that left. I just don't see that as as sparking the same fire, just like we talked about with like revenge games for people going in to play their former team. It means more to them than it does for the team that that they left. I uh, I mean, maybe. I, I don't think the coaching staff is concerned about Calgary right now. I think that they're really in a kind of a triage situation. You know, like, let's let's keep this let's keep this boat afloat. Um, over the next three or four weeks, and 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 keep our season from from going sideways. I think that uh, you know their concern about Calgary will probably be low, and that they're more concerned about all of the holes in the boat right now. Speaking of triage, let's get into the injury report. It's just a it's a disaster for for both teams because of the number of positional groups that have been hit. So let's start off with looking at the the Argonauts and their injury report. So uh, in terms of offensive line, uh, the concern there, I know Justin Lawrence has, has been, he's been having a tough time the last couple of weeks in practices. He's out there dressed and doing everything he can, but he hasn't been, he hasn't been there in 12s. He's been in, in limited action. And so it's sort of forced uh, Noel to step in and take some snaps. I've got to think he'll play. Uh, because he has been toughing it through. This isn't new this week, but I expect him to go. Philip Lake, same thing. He was limited as well, and he's had that hand injury that's been bothering him for for several weeks now. I, I'm not really to say I'm not worried isn't correct. I, I they're going to play. Those guys are going to play. I think the offensive line that walks out there is going to be the same offensive line we just saw in Hamilton. That's not really the area of concern. Uh, where it does get a little bit concerning, though, is. Uh, in the defensive backs because we just haven't really we haven't really seen an answer for the replacement for Shaq Richardson yet because it was going to be Robert Priester he got hurt he didn't practice again today Uh, you know maybe he will be able to dress and go uh, for game day but that's sort of what happened last week and then he got hurt almost right away again and then Maurice Carnell got hurt as well which didn't help now he was practicing full today but I, I'm not 100% comfortable with Maurice Carnell in there. He w- he was plan B last week. And then, you know, Priester sort of forced him to, to have to get in there. So if there's one positional group I'm worried about, other than obviously running back, it is the defensive backfield. But I'm hoping that Priester will be practicing by the end of the week. And 
uh, you know, whatever it was that that Chris Edwards mispracticed for this week, it wasn't injury related and, and Josh Haggerty as well. I'm hoping both those guys can go if they can. And if Priester can dress, I'm OK. But if not, that's the big area of concern for me on the Argos injury report. Looking over to the Calgary side, the reason they're in trouble is they've got they've got no receivers left and their DB situation is also a mess. So we look at look up and down at their their receiver list. So you got Reggie Bagleton didn't practice. Uh, he's got a head injury. Uh, he was out at the end of last game. Malik Henry uh, still out. Uh, didn't practice today. Uh, Jalen Philpot didn't practice today with a head injury. Uh, Richie Sandani didn't practice with a hamstring injury. Their receiving core has been absolutely, it's, it's been decimated. And the defensive back situation, it, it's not worse, but it really affects the boundary side. So they've been forced into a situation where they have Tremaine Washington playing uh, boundary side halfback. We remember Tremaine Washington in Toronto in 2019. Uh, he's okay, but for a boundary halfback, that's an area that you can try and exploit. And then you consider the fact that Deontay Ruffin has moved from halfback to boundary corner and sort of been playing next to Washington. That was the plan last week. Ruffin wasn't able to go and practice today. They're in a situation where they're either going to have to bring Moxie across from the field side to play corner and start a practice squad guy, I assume, uh, at field corner. Or maybe they start someone from the practice squad at, at boundary corner if Ruffin can't go. Even if Ruffin can go. I think that's an area of the field that is of concern. And then you add to the fact that that Thurman is is still not uh, going to be able to play at middle linebacker. And so that puts them in a situation where they've got Silas Stewart uh, at, at Mac, who is OK. Uh, I think he's a really good linebacker. I'm not sure he's a Mac. I think he's I think he's a will. And so there are probably bigger concerns for Calgary this week than there are even for Toronto. And I think that probably surprises a lot of Argos fans, given just how dire it's been around here in terms of injury status. Yeah, I mean, it, it times up well, you know, that Calgary is coming in so beat up uh, against a really beat up Argos team. So definitely, you know, you've got to when teams are are worn down like that, you got to take advantage of it. It's time for OCDC. JB, we'll start with you, and we will start with the bad guys. You are the defensive coordinator for the Calgary Stampeders. How are you stopping the run-and-shoot Toronto Argonauts offense without Andrew Harris this week? Yeah, I, I think probably I'm, I'm starting off. Um, Calgary is not a team that actually gets a lot of sacks. That's not really their, their, their kind of dynamic uh, they do get a lot of picks though so I, I if I'm Calgary um, I'm just gonna yeah I'm just gonna put seven DBs out there and I'm gonna see how often Toronto can make the right call and can they make the right call seven eight nine times in a row and I'm not worried about running back at all I think that you know we can you know we can take care of that with a you know five six man box and I'm not worried about anybody taking it to the house or uh, or it being a, a real concern, in, in all honesty. Um, if if Leak can come in and be electric, well, that's a different conversation. But f- for me, looking at it, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a lot of DBs out there. We're going to just kind of fill that underneath zone and, and dare Toronto to make 
you know, 10 passes to score a touchdown. And, you know, Calgary has some good ball hawking DBs. So that's, that's not Calgary gives up a lot of passing yards, but they also get interceptions. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting mix, you know, like, Toronto should be able to exploit it. You know, Calgary doesn't have a great pass rush. Um, it gives up a lot of passing yards. So if there were ever a team that you were going to get away with this style, it's versus Calgary. I think if I'm Calgary, um, you know, I'm just going to try and put as many DBs on the field as I can and, and hope that we can uh, we can confuse uh, Macbeth into into making a bad read with with some pressure, but um, you know I think the running game is non-existent and it's going to be crucial that Leak, uh, hopefully that he can play and that he can he can punish them enough that they have to put another guy in the box right if if they can go three man front and you know two three linebackers. That's that's going to be a problem for for Toronto because it's, you know it's incredibly hard to to play when you have seven DBs facing you. In terms of the Calgary offense, if I were the offensive coordinator, my plan would mostly be to pound the football. I I don't know if we're going to see Kadeem Carey back. Uh, you know he's on the injury list. He he was limited today. It's a hamstring, so I, I would be inclined to say no, even though he was limited today. But I, I just don't think, I'm not sure it's smart. And I think Mills has actually been running fairly well. And I think Mills matches up really nicely against Toronto. He's not as good as Kerry, and you do want to have your, uh, Kerry might be the best Stampeder uh, that there is. So, um, you know, you don't want to be without him, but you also don't want to be without him for the rest of the season. So I'm not sure we'll see him this week, but I would pound the ball with Mills. I would try and run downhill. Calgary run blocks fairly well, and they're pretty good straight ahead run blockers. And I would try and put Toronto in a position where they need to reinforce, where they need to bring an extra help into the box uh, in order to stop Mills. So that's that's plan A. The next thing is I, I want to pick on whoever the boundary halfback is, whether it's Caleb Holden, whether it's it's Carnell or, or Priester, uh, because I do think that's an area of weakness. And I think that because Toronto in this with whoever they send out there is going to be reluctant to play a lot of man coverage. I think I'll try and pick apart zones just even with the simplicity of like all hooks uh, and take advantage of, you know, wherever, whichever DB is, uh, is playing deep coverage. I think really simple, short passing concepts and pounding the ball up the middle will force Toronto into a game they don't want any part of, which is bringing an extra guy in the box or forcing uh, whoever is playing boundary half to play a lot more man coverage. And so that's what I want to do. Make them uncomfortable, do the things that make them do the things they don't want to do. So that's my offensive game plan. All right, for the good guys, JB, you are the defensive coordinator for Toronto. What's the plan? Mm. Uh, Calgary's an interesting <laughs> unit. Um, they have these radical swings in that, you know, that they're they're very good at running the ball uh, on on first down. They're very good at getting first downs. Uh, they're not very good at throwing the ball deep uh, in terms of big plays down the field. They're not particularly good at um, passing the ball into the end zone. They're really good at turnovers. Um, you know, so it's, it's, they're not, um, 
they're not a team that that I think from a passing point of view need to be worried. Um, they run the ball well. They they have a very good offensive line. They protect well. Uh, they run well, you know, regardless of who is in there, and they have good special teams. Um, you know that that's where they're scoring. They're they're coming through with special teams scores, defensive scores, and then the offense, um, you know, is second in the league. So you know they 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 are to be respected, but that's a little misleading. That second in the league um, number because again. Um, they have some special team scores and they have some defensive scores kind of in that mix. They're not a BC. Um, so I think from a defensive point of view, you have got to stop the run on first down. You know, they're averaging over seven on first down and you're just dead. You just can't let a team, you know, we talked about how the Argos are, you know, the third and seven all the time and second and eight and how deadly that is. You just can't uh, have, Calgary be second and three all night or you're, you know, they're, they're, you're not going to win. Um, so I, I think that you have to stop the run early and you have to force them to put the ball in the air as much as possible. You know, that I think is kind of the reverse of what they're going to try and do to Toronto. I think you have to load up in the box. I think you have to take that running away. You got to pick your poison. You can't be a little bit of both because Calgary will just kind of find a way to, to kill you. I think you, you load up against the run and I think Toronto's uh, DBs even injured can, can hold their own against Calgary. And uh, you know, you, you don't, don't overload. Don't go looking for, for blitzes. I think you, you know, set your edges, keep the quarterback in the, in the, in the box and, you know, just play smart defensive back underneath uh, coverage and, and force, Calgary to to pass the ball 25 times I think that's what you're looking to do you can't let them run the ball effectively because if they if you do they'll just kill you they'll just um you know just convert first down after first down because they are so good at running the ball so that's what I'm looking for in that first quarter is how how effectively are we able to um stop the machine that is Calgary on first down which has been pretty damn good all season and special teams my god like they're very good at punt return they're very good at kick return we saw kick return touchdown the 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 return games for the argos have to be on point you you can't beat calgary if they score uh, a special teams touchdown you know you just it's, it's too many scores you have to play them straight up oh on oh you can't let them get an extra seven for free on special teams Shifting over to the Toronto offense, I think there's two things you want to do here. So first of all, in the running game, which I realize will be less of an emphasis without Andrew Harris, but it can't be abandoned completely. I think you run right at Silas Stewart. I think that is your game plan for the run. You run AJ Willette specifically right at Silas Stewart. He's he's not a great run defender. He's he's not an ideal Mac, certainly. And while his coverage I, I do like, I like him as a player, you, they've basically got two will linebackers out there. So that's what you do. Force the ball, force Silas Stewart to tackle 
AJ Ouellette on run plays. And what you're also going to do from that is you're going to end up forcing Cam Judge to start doing someone else's job, doing Stewart's job. He's going to start pinching in a little bit and guys are going to start helping a little bit. And as soon as football players start doing someone else's job and not focusing entirely on their own, there are weaknesses elsewhere. And so that's when I think you burn Calgary with your jets and your end arounds and um, not with Gittens though, because they, they've seen that enough on film. They're looking for that. They'll have a key for that. They'll, you know, they'll, there'll be some sort of setup, just like we saw with, with, uh, with Hamilton, where they'll end up bringing in the safety as soon as they see Gittens motion uh, around towards the quarterback. So you've got to do it with someone else, whether that's Banks coming across or Leak in there as sort of a slot back, some way to get the ball out wide to play off of Judge compensating for Stewart. So that's the plan in the run game. In terms of the passing game, you've got to pick on that boundary side. This has got to be a huge day for Deveris Daniels because neither Deontay Ruffin or Tremaine Washington can can cover Deveris Daniels. They just can't. And I'm not even sure Ruffin's going to be in there. If he can't go, then we're talking about Tremaine Washington and maybe a guy off the practice squad trying to cover Deveris Daniels. That that just that's unacceptable if that's the situation and Daniels doesn't have a huge game. You've got to focus on him and just take advantage of the fact that his route running by far outweighs those defenders' coverage abilities. So that's almost my entire game plan. Fire it at Deveris, run up the middle at Silas Stewart. All right, JB, let's get into our one thing. What is the one thing you want to see this week from the Toronto Argonauts? Uh, I want to see a kick return touchdown. I know this that is the week to do it. This is the week to do it for sure. There's nothing suggesting that that is imminent. Uh, but with, with when you, you have to have three phases of ball and, and right now they don't. And, uh, that has to improve. That that third phase has got to contribute. You see, it's keeping Calgary in games. Um, that third phase needs to needs to weigh in a little and contribute to uh, to the team effort here to start start pulling their oar, if you will. It's if they if they send out Jeremiah Haydel, I think there's a possibility there. Or if they activate Javon Leak, I think that's in play. If they don't. I don't think you're going to see it, but yeah, one of those guys back there, maybe, maybe that is the spark that they need. And you're, you're on a roll here. Your one thing came through again last week. Yeah. Loved it. And, and Hey man, let's keep blitzing those linebackers. My one thing I've gone back and forth on, I, I kind of, my one thing is I, I want to see, I want to see an explosive passing touchdown that isn't because of a bust. And so what I'm talking about is something like the Curly Gittens Jr. touchdown in Saskatchewan, not the Cam Phillips touchdowns we've seen. He's had a, had a couple. There was one in the uh, touchdown Atlantic game. There was another one, I think, in the first game against Hamilton where it was just a bust in coverage. Phillips was free and it was a deep touchdown pass. Those are great. But I want to see one that is earned where the coverage is there. It's man coverage and someone just beats their guy and has a 30, 40, 50 yard touchdown reception. That's what I want to see. A touchdown reception of I'm going to quantify here over 30 yards that isn't on a bust. That's my one thing. What's your prediction, JB? How is this one going to end? I think Toronto gets it done at home. I think Toronto has shown over the last two years that they are a very good home team. I think Calgary is as banged up as Toronto is. 
Calgary kind of matches up really nicely in that you can move the ball on them in the air and, uh, you know, they stop the run, but that's fine if we're not going to run at all. So I, I like Toronto at home to get, uh, to get back on track. Um, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I, I think, uh, I like Toronto, uh, 28, 24. Nice. Uh, that's pretty similar to my view on this. My, my worry is I know like Calgary does like to run a lot of three man fronts. I worry about that because Toronto has had trouble with that this year. I know Justin Lawrence has had some trouble when he's had a guy lined up directly over him. It's really made a difference. So I am a little worried about turnovers and things like that in that scenario, missed snaps, which we haven't seen for a few weeks now. The possibility of that concerns me. If Toronto can avoid catastrophic failures, if they can avoid just disaster turnovers, punt return, kick return, touchdowns, like you alluded to earlier, scoop and scores, pick sixes, I think I think this week they are the better team. I'm not sure they are overall, but Calgary is so banged up right now, even more so than Toronto. And I think they're the perfect team to play. Like you said too, like they match up really well against this injured Calgary team, even with all the holes that Toronto's offense and defense have. So I, I think ultimately they're in a pretty good place to win and they played very well at BMO. So I, I'm going to say this is a Toronto win as well. A little tighter though, I'm going to say 21-20 Argos. It is time for our world famous fantasy advice. JB, we continue to be on fire, uh, putting up uh, huge numbers week after week. Uh, we, we, we put up an, another series of good numbers last week. Uh, this week, we need to find a way to monetize uh, this. As an as an aside, we could talk off air about that, but yes, we should be looking at that. Although, just not in our first few weeks of playing. But I think we're we've we've really sort of caught this recently, and are on fire as of late. So yeah, these last few weeks have been wonderful. Um, this week, the running back situation, like we talked about before, is really weird. Yeah, and so. We got to wait and see what happens with a couple guys like Kadeem Carey playing is going to change things a little bit. But our plan right now involves going really cheap on running backs. And that allows you to go pretty big to decent everywhere else but but flex if you want. So uh, for quarterbacks, we really liked uh, both uh, Bo Levi Mitchell and McLeod Bethel Thompson this week. We think both of them have value, but... Bo Levi Mitchell is almost $2,000 cheaper. And so I just think that's, I, I think that's the way to go. He ends up coming in at 7000 Actually, it's over $2,000 cheaper. So, you know, seeing as they're playing pretty similarly this year, Bethel Thompson has been playing better. Bo Levi Mitchell, I know he has no receivers to throw to, but it's $7,000. That's basically the, the price that you would pay to get the backup. Like he's Jake Mayer is, is the same price. He's at 7,000 flat. Bo Levi Mitchell's $47 more. Um, if Nick Arbuckle, who isn't even starting, is about that price. So I just think when you've got a future CFL Hall of Famer at that price, you have to take him. So that's our quarterback. I, I There are other guys I think are going to put up bigger numbers, but that's a value play. Then at running back, we're going with A.J. Ouellette for $4,000. And assuming he starts, uh, we like Didrick Mills at, at $4,000. But we're going to have to wait and see because uh, he is dealing with his own injuries too. He's got an ankle injury and he didn't actually practice today. So we're going to have to wait and see on that. Now, 
if he can't go, uh, you know, then you can, if Kadeem Carey is able to go and, and Mills can't, obviously you completely write that off and you go somewhere else. But there's so many low budget running backs because so many starting running backs are out. So you just basically go with someone else around the league. And there are any number of guys for that same price that you can go with. And in a scenario where both of those guys don't start, uh, then you're probably looking at, at Peyton Logan at that point, uh, who I really like as a runner as well. And he's a pretty, he's a pretty good price uh, in, the, in the fantasy market too. So that's the running back situation. And then you go big at receiver. We've got Kenny Lawler and Lucky Whitehead. I expect both of them to have big games. Kenny Lawler, he just manages to get a lot of receptions. And in CFL uh, fantasy being sort of a PPR setup, um, that's great. And you know Cornelius is looking at Lawler first on almost every play. He's against Ottawa this week. They've got a good defense, but I like him to put up points. Lucky Whitehead, he just seems to have great week after great week. He had another one this this past week, made some huge catches. So 9,185 for him, 8,380 for Lawler. Um, yeah, those guys are, are automatic points. For our flex, we're a little more limited. We got Brandon Banks, uh, 3,400. It's just a really good price for Banks. Remember, he led the team in targets last week. It didn't turn into fantasy points, but they're just so short of other options. You've got to go Brandon Banks. That's a really good price. You're you're paying more than that for guys that aren't even starting uh, around the league. So until they bring his price up, that's a smart flex play in my mind. Now, defense, we discussed a lot this week, and we don't really have a good answer. We actually could have gone with any defense this week. We had enough money left. We've ended up deciding on the Ottawa Red Blacks against Edmonton. And I know, JB, you're a little bit more nervous about that than I am, I think. But remember, Ottawa only allowed Calgary to score 10 points a couple weeks ago. Calgary ended up with 17 because they had a defensive score. They kept the Calgary Stampeders offense to 10 points. The Ottawa defense is good. And so them playing against Edmonton, there, there's, there are definitely going to be a couple turnovers. There's points from that. There could be a defensive score. Um, it's only $3,401 and I can't think of, there's no one else of any of the other matchups that I think is better. I know you kind of liked, you kind of liked the, the Hamilton Montreal matchup. I think you wanted Montreal defense initially, right? Yeah. I I mean, I always love Montreal at home. They are, you know, I I don't think Hamilton is, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think Hamilton is particularly good despite whatever, you know, nonsense happened last week. I, I don't think Hamilton is particularly good offensively. So, but yeah, I, I think, you know, when in doubt, bet against Edmonton. I think that's fair. They, you know, their <laughs> their quarterback really hasn't shown that he is a CFL quarterback yet. So I think, I think that's probably a, a smart play. And the one thing I would say going against me wanting to take Montreal is that it is a revenge game for Matt Schiltz. And I think Matt Schultz is a good quarterback. I think he's. I, I think he was treated unfairly in Montreal. I think he's very aware of that. And here he is going back into Montreal with a chance for a revenge game. And I just don't like the recipe for that. I don't like going against a quarterback, especially playing in a revenge game. So it was. I was sort of on the fence between those two, and that was that was the difference maker for me. So um, that uh, yeah, that completes our fantasy lineup. Hopefully, we we continue this hot streak we're on, JB, because uh, it's a lot more fun to play fantasy when you're winning and we put a what is this a four game win streak together something like that so uh yeah we're in a pretty good spot 
JB, last week you were two and two. I was three and one. Uh, my season total is now 27 and 12 on the year. Uh, my picks have been pretty good. Uh, you've been better as of late, but uh, you need a you need a four and a week to get back in this, JB. So I'll give you my picks first to give you the advantage this week to see if you can catch up. So Edmonton at Ottawa to start things off. Uh, I think this is... I'm going to go against the, the curse here. Neither team has been able to... Uh, to put together a home win in 95 years and you would think then that it makes sense to pick Edmonton here I am going to pick the Ottawa Red Blacks I'm cheering for Edmonton but I think Ottawa is going to get their first home win of the um, millennium where are you going yeah Ottawa I think is is the better team um uh, Edmonton seems to actually play better on the road but uh I, I think Ottawa, I mean, this is such a pick game. You know, both these teams are, you know, very good at, at shooting themselves in the foot. Um, I'm, I'm going to go Ottawa at home uh, over Edmonton because, you know, when in doubt, pick against Edmonton. But you're going against, like, I can't believe, I, I was sure you were going to go Edmonton there because you have a chance to make up a game on me g- riding a stat that is like undefeated over the last couple of years with Ottawa at home. I know, I don't want... Uh, how are you not taking that gamble? I don't want any part of Edmonton. I watch them. They're <laughs> terrible. It's like watching a high school team. <laughs> All right, uh, BC at Saskatchewan. Uh, this is BC for me. That's an easy one uh, in my mind. Where'd you go? Uh, I like my Rough Riders. Okay. You know, I, I like them. I think that, you know, they they were my number one pick at the beginning of the year. Uh, they obviously went through a rough patch. Um, but this is a, this would be a huge win for them at home. Uh, I think there's, you know, BC is a load, especially being as healthy as they are. But um, I like Saskatchewan to, to get back into... Um, you know, Grey Cup competing form at home. I, yeah, I like I like them to beat the Lions. Okay. And Hamilton at Montreal, uh, it sickens me to do so. I'm going to take the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, because I believe in Matt Schultz and I believe in revenge games. So this is a Hamilton win, a, a painful Hamilton win for Montreal fans. Uh, I like Montreal at home and I don't like Schultz. And I think that uh, Montreal uh, takes some... Uh, Take some down convincingly. That will just about do it for us on this pregame walkthrough edition of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Go Toronto Argos, go, go, go. Pull together, fight the foe, foe.